Welcome to the Strata Leadership Show, a podcast designed to help you gain clarity, lead effectively, and drive results for yourself, your team, and your organization. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Miller. Well, today on the Strata Leadership Show, we have a friend of mine that is someone that I respect greatly. I got to know her through some work that we were doing together, and it was obvious, clearly obvious, quickly obvious, that this was somebody who was really passionate about her craft, passionate about people, and passionate about making life better for other people. And so today, I'd like to welcome to the show, Cassie Neiman. Cassie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nathan. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I've been looking forward to our conversation. We've had this on the books for a while because you are an extremely busy person. Your title right now is the Talent and Organizational Development Manager at Paycom, which is one of the most impressive and fastest growing companies in America. But the thrust and focus of your life has really been pretty consistent. You seem to be the kind of person who loves helping other people succeed. When did that start in your life? You know, that's a good question. I think from childhood, I grew up in a family where service and responsibility were at the core of who we were, and that's still who we are today. My grandparents served our family very well. My grandfather served the YMCA throughout his entire career. My grandmother was a seamstress and an amazing cook, and she loved serving others through her craft. Then my parents did the same thing. My parents served our family very well. They served our community and our church. And so they really inspired me to do the same. Even so, when I got to maybe the middle school age, I wanted nothing more than to become a candy striper at the hospital. I wanted to wear that striped apron with pride. I wanted to bring joy and comfort to other families who were in the hospital for a number of reasons. And I had the privilege to work in the gift shop where I got to make balloon bouquets and deliver flowers to families who had just had babies or who were sending comfort and encouragement to those who were healing in the hospital. But I also sat with families in the ICU whose family members were fighting for their lives on the other side of the door. I brought coffee and snacks to those families and other comforts. And that brought me great joy to be able to serve those people. And last February, I came to a realization about how important that service was when I became the family member sitting in the ICU waiting room. My dad was the patient on the other side of the door fighting for his life. And there I was with my family sitting in that waiting room, staring at that desk where there used to be a volunteer. And I realized how important it was to have people in your lives who serve you well. And so I want to be that person for all the people that I come into contact with, whether that's in my professional career or personally. You know, I've watched you do that. I've watched you working with your colleagues, looking for opportunities to help people when they weren't asking for it yet. You were just looking, where's the need? Where's the need? And, and I will just say to the people listening in, this is not something that Cassie is talking about in an abstract way. This is how she lives. And so you find yourself in that spot and you knew that that kind of service was important before. But as your dad is struggling with his health and ultimately passes, you find that those relationships are what stays. It's what remains after the hardship. And I love your approach. And I want to point out for those who are listening in, 
Paycom is is a force to be reckoned with. It is one of the most impressive companies in America, and it's growing rapidly. And one of the things that they are really focusing in on is how do we attract great people, recruit great people? How do we get them on board? And then how do we develop them? So you are now one of the most, you're going to hate this, but you're one of the most influential people in your industry, definitely in our region. Looking at your career, you started giving us a little bit of insight into the mindset. But looking at your career now, if I could go back to that candy striper and we were talking about you're about to go off to OU to earn your first degree and things like that. What is something that you wished you had known that if you could go back in time and tell that version of you about your career, what is something that you wish you had known about your career if you could have been told that at the beginning? You know, as I think about that question, I think about all of the other service positions I had or the organizations I served. And I did that through high school and college through leadership. I served in officer positions for just about every organization I worked in. And I really thought early in my career that leadership was about being out front. It was about taking center stage. And I've learned along the way that leadership really is about service. It's about leading from sort of that third seat, right? That your first purpose for service is to serve the organization that you work for and to serve it very well. Secondly, is to serve the others around you, to serve your colleagues and your team and your leader, and that really you have sort of that position that you're third. And I had to learn that along the way, but the view from third position, so to speak, is so much more exciting than being in center stage or being out front because you get to see people grow. You get to see people become their best selves by helping them do that along the way. So how did you learn that? Because a lot of people don't. How did that start making sense to you? You know, I think it was just some learning from interactions with other people. When I showed up in the room with a big ego, I was in charge. It was my idea. It didn't go well. And I have some regrets around some of those interactions with people. I had to learn that through, and I had great coaches and great people around me who gave me feedback as well that I think helped me develop that awareness. But I also had really great examples of people who were doing that well. I work for a leader today who does that very well. I love to watch her in action because she very much leads from that position of how do we best service the organization? How do we serve others around us? And then what do we need to think about in terms of how we guide and direct those individuals? How do we listen first and then lead? Can you think of some other mentors like that? You're talking now about someone there at work that provides that type of example and inspiration. Have there been other people in your life that you would look at as a mentor or maybe they had a big impact on you as a leader on your way out? Yeah, you know, I think about my dad in a lot of ways. My dad was not someone who was easily angered at all. And I watched him deal with some very tough situations through humor, through remaining calm by asking questions. And I've found myself in meetings before trying to imagine how would he handle this situation? How would he respond with that sense of calm, with that sense of purposeful questions. And so I think I learned that through him growing up. I've learned that also just from other people, just the questions that they ask, the the listening that they do. 
um, has been really important. And that's a challenge for me as a leader. It's not something, I'll admit, I don't do very well at times. But when I'm at my best, I'm listening to others. I'm choosing a purposeful response. And I'm really trying to understand who they are and where they're coming from. With your dad's passing, and I'm so sorry for the loss of your dad and uh, obviously we were in communication at that time and I'm, I'm just so sorry at the same time has the voice in your head when you think about what he would do or, or say has that voice changed for you since that time I, I think if anything it's brought back more memories and more more stories to the front of my mind I mean my dad would sit with me in high school late at night when I was crying over my chemistry homework. Science was never something that came easy to me. And my dad would sit with an immense amount of patience and he would read the textbook and he would reteach it to me. My mom sat with me as a young child reading for hours. And so I think I learned through that that service isn't always just like the candy striping kind of stuff, like the smiles and the bringing joy but it's also rolling up your sleeves and being in the trenches with people and being willing to sit with them and take them through the tough times. I appreciate that uh, a lot. You know, one of the things I, I find with all great leaders is that at some point they begin to look at times in their life that might've been considered a failure as an important part of helping them become who they would become, especially with a growth mindset that they look at failure not as just something that occurred, it's a lesson, it's a opportunity kind of moment. Are there any things that you might share that have been helpful to you about a time in your life that you experienced a failure and how you were able to learn from that failure? Because I'm, I'm afraid a lot of the people I talk to, especially the young leaders, they are so concerned about getting it right all the time that they may not get the full value of what it means to have those failures. Anything that you could speak to on that? You know, I think there's several examples that come to mind that the times that maybe I overlooked someone or I dismissed their thought or their opinion, and I'm disappointed in myself because of that, because I didn't take full advantage of the opportunity to learn from them, to ask better questions, those were times maybe when I was caught up too much in what I thought was right versus understanding other people and us getting it right together. And so I think that there's been times where either I've been too busy or too focused on the wrong things that I've dismissed those things. And I, I wonder about those people sometimes. What happened to them or what could I learn from them that I didn't take full advantage of in the moment when I was with them? You know, you are based in Oklahoma City. Obviously, PACOM has an impact everywhere. But you, looking back at your resume, you have worked at some of the most impactful companies in the history of Oklahoma. And if people don't know much about the history of Oklahoma, Oklahoma has produced far more than its fair share of great entrepreneurs. It has become a place that has become known for generating great entrepreneurs. And among all of those entrepreneurs, you've worked at some of the most impressive, impactful companies in Oklahoma's history. So you've seen a lot of great leaders. You've had access to that. When you think about a characteristic that you would point out, and I know it's very unfair to ask for just one, but if you were trying to point out one characteristic that you've noticed in your career and then in your studies 
that you think every leader ought to possess, that they ought to focus on and train their mind towards? What is a characteristic that you think leaders should possess? Hands down, courage. You have to have courage to lead others. You have to choose courage over comfort to lead organizations through the good times and through the bad times. It takes a lot of grit and tenacity to just push through the hard times in a business or to get a business to where you want it to go as a leader. And that takes courage to do. And it doesn't, you know, you can't shy away from the opportunity and the the right risks. You can't shy away from doing the right things for the right reasons. And all of that takes courage. And so I think about these leaders and these organizations I've worked for before, that those that were at the helm of the organization demonstrated courage. That's where I'm at today. I love working for leaders who demonstrate courage because it's contagious. It makes me want to be courageous. It makes me want to inspire that in other people. And so I think it takes, first and foremost, it's just good old-fashioned courage. Uh, the perspective on that, I, again, for our listeners, this is someone who has dedicated themselves to helping leaders succeed and is a student of it. And I appreciate the insight uh, very much. You over the last year and really everybody, but especially those who are in the world that you are in, have experienced one of the greatest disruptions, perhaps the greatest greatest disruption we will see in a lifetime at work specifically of how do you lead people in this remote environment that we went through with COVID? How do you bring people back? How do you do all the things that you do? And then how do you not lose the culture, all the different things? There are a lot of challenges. But if you were looking and took the big picture here and you said, okay, the biggest challenge that I think leaders are facing today is, how would you answer that question if someone said, what's the biggest challenge facing leaders today? I think the biggest challenge is demonstrating flexibility or agility, right? We live in an ever-evolving world in a fast-paced, moving world full of disruption. And we all experience that equally with COVID. And it takes flexibility and agility to think about where are we headed as a company? What is our strategy? And what's going to happen if we experience bumps in the roads? The thoughtfulness behind that and the humility one of the things that was so impressive to me when I really began learning about strategy was that you use strategy best when you recognize that you don't have the strength to just show up and win. And so if I don't have the strength to just show up and win, then I've got to be strategic and use the strengths that I have to get the best outcome possible. And that humility allows me to have a plan. It allows me to be thoughtful. It allows me to approach things that way. And I definitely seen that with you. So you're talking to that person that is beginning their leadership journey, and they are dealing with that identity shift of thinking of themselves as a leader. They're gaining those new competencies. What advice would you give someone who's going into leadership in that formal way, let's say, for the first time? I would say there's power in the collective effort. You can only do so much as an individual, but it takes other people their expertise, their experience, their diversity of thought to move forward faster. And so your ability as a leader to pull people together, it doesn't have to be the team that directly reports to you, but to, to build that network within the organization to get the stuff done that you need to get done. But that there's power in that collective effort 
you'll get it done faster that way. You'll have more fun that way when others are involved. And you'll think of things, other people will help you think of things that you can't come up with on your own. And other people have experience and diversity of thought that you just don't have, and you need them. So I think the power to bring the right people together to rally around the vision and relentlessly pursue that vision together. So Cassie, you may not realize this, but you are one of the people that when you tell me about a book or you tell me about a resource, it is a instant, as you say it, I pull out my <laughs> phone and go ahead and get it. It's just, honestly, there are not that many people. I mean, I, I have a list of books that I'm adding to, but there are a handful of people that when they say, have you read this one? I literally just go ahead and get it right then because I know that I'm going to need it. And so it's, you've been a resource to me and I really appreciate that. But when you think about the resources that other people can use to gain additional insight, to become a more effective leader, what are some of the resources that you think that are helpful? And I'm not looking for an answer that has to be the academic answer or the, or the traditional answer. I'm just looking at what can people do to become a better leader? What are some of the resources that you have found helpful over the course of your career? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, and Nathan, you know this, and we've talked about this before. I Learning is very important to me, right? So wherever I can get it, I'm going to take it. I love to read. I buy five, six books at a time and then read through them. I listen to podcasts. I listen to TED Talks. I think anything that you can get from the experts. But where I found a lot of lessons is just sitting with people and learning from them, whether that's a leader that I've worked with, or that's a friend, I find inspiration in, in those everyday conversations. And so you don't have to know what book to read. You don't have to know what podcast to download, but to start talking to the people around you. You know, if you're 16 and you're working a job for the first time, have a conversation with the customers that you're serving. Learn from them. If you're in college, seek out those opportunities to do an internship, to volunteer in organizations across the university, or meet with your professors. I have a lot of friends who happen to be professors, and they don't hear from most of their students most of the time. So take the time and get to know your professors because they have an immense amount of knowledge and stories to share with you that get shared outside of the classroom. So I think it's looking for who are the people that you can form a relationship with and how can you learn from them. But then how do you spark some of these ideas and creativity by listening to the ideas of others, whether that's through a book or a podcast, something of that nature. Great stuff, very practical stuff. And I'll tell you, when you spend those five minute moments with a professor asking for the deeper clarification, things like that, you really make them a better professor because they have prepared themselves to help people. And when they have a student who seems to be really interested in the idea and they are willing and, and they want to know more, you inspire that professor in ways that might be surprising to you. And so I would imagine, Cassie, you have made a lot of professors feel that what they do matters. And I love that approach. Anything else that you want to add to that? You know, I think that reflection is very important. The importance of self-reflection to look back, to review kind of your story, right? What happened when? I'm going through some work with an executive coach right now and really thinking about what is my leadership point of view and where does that come from? Understanding what are my personal values and why are they my personal values? What is it that I want out of life? I will have arrived when, what happens? 
And I think going through that exercise and really understanding who I am and, and where I came from is really important. And so I know I have a lot of those answers. But that comes to me through journaling. I do a lot of whiteboarding as well just to get some thoughts out of my head and just sitting with myself and thinking about those stories and those interactions. So I think you have a lot to learn from yourself and your life story if you just take the time to listen to yourself and, and to think through those things. Great stuff, Cassie. And I'm so thankful for the time that you've given us this morning. I am fully aware that you do not have the time to be on a podcast. And so I'm so grateful for the gift that you've given to me and to the listeners to be able to spend time with us today. As we wrap up, I would say that what Cassie just said is at the heart of the next level leadership. The next level leader is able to create that self-awareness that then promotes other awareness. So it feels a little bit odd to say, if you want to be more aware of others, you have to be more aware of yourself, but that's the way it works. And so increasing that self-awareness, looking at what you do well, and then trying to stoke that ember into the flame kind of thing, that reflection, because what I find with leaders is leaders will often stop and think about how something went, but they will look for what was broken, what was wrong versus what did I do well? What are some themes here? And that is an incredibly important piece of the puzzle. And I'm so grateful for you, Cassie, and for the great work that you're doing in the role that you're in. And I find you to be a source of inspiration to me. So for those who are listening, I want you to think about what Cassie is talking about, to be intentional about learning, to be thoughtful about learning, and to train your brain to be open to learning. I don't know great leaders who are able to lead for a long period of time who have not chosen to be great leaders, excuse me, great learners that opened up the door to be a great leader. And so being a great learner is something that is different than just the academic context. It's a mindset. I'm so grateful for our listeners and for people who are willing to exercise the courage needed to make a difference in other people's lives. As a leader, it's your responsibility to set the pace, to set the tone, even today. So make that decision, set the pace, set the tone today, and we will look forward to being able to spend time with you next time on the Strata Leadership Show.